Hello and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Bible Challenge. My name is Jeremy Howard. I am the pastor on staff here at Orchard Hills Bible Church in Payson, Utah. And today we are doing the third installment on the Psalms, the third of three. We've been in the Psalms for three weeks now, and each week I'm just picking two Psalms to look at. The first week it was Psalms 22 and 32, then it was Psalms 50 and 51, and this week Psalms 61 and 77. Two very sweet and precious psalms to me. And I'm going to do something a little different this week. I, uh, I want to start by bearing my testimony to you and, and telling you what the Lord has done in my life. Uh, I'm not from Utah. I've been out here a little over eight years. I am from central Missouri, and I grew up in uh, a place where lots of people claim to be Christian, even though probably very few of them are. Very few of them even really know what that means. But I, I grew up in, envir- in an environment that was very pro-Christian. Now, I, I don't remember very many times ever actually hearing the gospel where I can look back and say, yeah, I probably got, got the full gospel message about what to believe so as to be saved. Um, maybe it happened you know, a few times, but didn't hear it very often. And uh, I didn't become a Christian until I was 16, and what had happened in my life is shortly after my 16th birthday, the girl that I was dating at the time was going to church right next door to my house. When I was, uh, just before I, I went into kindergarten, I was like four or five years old, we moved into this house that was right next to a non-denominational Bible church, like the one I pastor today. And uh, we never went. Uh, we, we never went to church. It was just there. The parking lot was right there, and the building was right there, but but we never went. Well, in high school, I was dating this girl who did go there, and it was a Sunday morning. It was December of uh, 2005. She called, and I was just sleeping in that Sunday morning like I always did. You know, Sunday was just second Saturday. And she called, and uh, I picked up the phone, and she said, you should come on over uh, to church. And so I thought, okay, well, here we go. I uh, jumped out of bed and ran a comb through my hair, threw, threw on a really nice sweater and some slacks and stuff, and, and went on over and found some people from my high school who also went to that church with my girlfriend who was there. And uh, I immediately felt out of place because they were wearing jeans and comfy clothes. And I thought, if you go to church, you got to dress up. And so that's what I did and, um, and just felt out of place. But I I did not feel out of place in the sense that I really enjoyed my experience. It was different. I had I just not been to anything like that that I could really remember. And so I thought, this is pretty interesting. And I kept going because I was dating her. But even after we, we broke up, I, I kept going because I thought, this is just um, very interesting. And there were people there who were willing to talk to me about the Bible, to answer my questions. They were very patient with me and just showed me all sorts of love and and care. Well, that following summer, June of 2006, uh, my mom committed suicide. And she committed suicide because um, it was like a a freakout moment where we were so far behind on paying our mortgage bill that we were being evicted from our own home. The house was being repossessed. And she was home alone that summer day. My dad was at work and I was at work and I'm an only child. So it was just the three of us. And she got the call that said, yeah, this is happening. We're coming. 
And when that happened, she grabbed my dad's nine millimeter handgun and went to the backyard and shot herself in the head. The pastor of the church next door and the custodian were able to be with her until the uh, you know helicopter came and she was life flighted and all that stuff. But on that day, I mean, it was just a crazy day, as you can imagine. So many things happened. I lost my mom, so now it's just me and my dad. Uh, we lost our house. I mean, the whole reason that happened was because um, the the how we were losing the house. So the night before was the last time I ever slept in that house, and I didn't know that would be the case. I mean, it was just like a surprise. You're homeless now. And um, but th- but that's also the day I became a Christian. You see, the seven months leading up to that moment, God had me with his people in a good church, learning about that gospel, learning about what a person must know and believe in order to be saved. And I was answering, or I was getting answers to all my questions, and I was having all kinds of good conversations, but I hadn't yet believed. Yet in this moment, in June of 2006, after seven months of God drawing me to himself, he brought me to the moment of faith. And it was then that I first truly believed. I mean, I, I was just looking at life saying, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than living, struggling, and dying and being depressed. And I had been hearing what was more for the last seven months. I had been hearing what I was made for, who made me, and how I can be reconciled to him. And it was in that moment where God brought me to the point of faith on that day, June twenty second, 2006. And since that day, I've been a Christian. But I want to, to tell you that in conjunction with the Psalms that we're looking at today, because Psalm 61, those first couple of verses were the first verses I ever memorized as a Christian. And I memorized them as soon as I heard them. They were read to me whenever I was in the hospital, uh, in the waiting room, while my mom was just dying. I mean, she only lived about 24 hours or so after she shot herself. The pastor of that church came to the hospital and was sitting there with me, and he took out a, a little pocket Bible that was just New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. It was bright orange. He took it out and he opened it up and he read from Psalm 61. He spoke these words from God into my life at that time. And those words never left me. And so I wanted to to share that with you to set this up because these verses, as you can imagine, are incredibly important to me. So Psalm 61 the first couple of verses is what we're going to look at. That's yeah, a short psalm. We'll look at the whole thing. Confidence in God's protection, a psalm of David. Hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, I will pause after those first two verses and just consider what that meant for me then. I, from the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. When we're going through something in life that is just so heavy, so life-changing, so dramatic, so devastating, 
to whom else would we call, right? Who else is there that we would cry out to in that moment but God alone? And when we call out to God, this is really important. When we call out to God, what are we calling out to him for? What do we want? What are we requesting? And there can be lots of different answers to that question, but really there should only be one answer to that question. We want him. Now, that could mean a lot of things. We want him in all of his justice. We want him in all of his mercy, in all of his grace, in all of his patience, depending on the situation that you're in. If you're being oppressed by someone, if you're being wrongly accused, you better believe you want his justice. If you've done something wrong and you're in a bad spot because of your own sin, you better believe you want his mercy and his patience and his kindness. If if you're calling out to God because it just seems so impossible, there's no way forward, and there's no one really to blame, but you're just in a bind, you better believe you want all of his power, right? All of God's miraculous strength displayed in the earth. You want it manifest in your life. But the general answer to all of that is you want God. You, you desperately need and desire God himself. And so I love this phrase at the end of verse 2, where David says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. A beautiful phrase. That's what we need when our hearts are faint. Let's read the rest. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me the inheritance of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life. His years will be as many generations. He will abide before God forever. Appoint loving kindness and truth that they may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may pay my vows day by day. Wow. He knows that he owes his life to God and God's goodness. And so in times of trouble, when his heart is faint, he calls out to him. Well, in conjunction with that, I do want to look at Psalm 77, where we see God's working in the world. And I'll tie this back to everything else after we read through. But if you'll permit me, I want to read a longer section. It's 10 verses. The last 10 verses of Psalm 77, where we see God at work in the world. How does God lead us to this rock that is higher than us? How does God guide us and direct us and provide refuge? Well, this psalm, it's a psalm of Asaph. He describes it just so beautifully. Yeah, can't wait to read it to you. So why don't I quit stalling and just jump into it? Psalm 77, verse 11. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. 
The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Listen to this. Your way was in the sea, and your paths in the mighty waters, and your footprints may not be known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So where is God in times of trouble? Where is God when our hearts are faint and we are so desperate and needy? He's at work in the world all around us. He is working his wonders from sea to sea all throughout the earth. God is absolutely at work. And I just love the way that it's phrased in Psalm 77, 19. His way was in the sea. His paths were in the mighty waters. And his footprints may not be known. God is so visible in one sense where we see him working in the world and he's affecting change all around us and all these things that are happening, they happen by the hand of God. He is not uninvolved. He's not backed away, but his hands are at work. His fingerprints are all over this, right? Yet he's also invisible. His footprints may not be known. And there's a distinction, there's a, there's a separation between creator and creature in that we can see him in his effects, but we can't actually see him. We can't even know his own footsteps. So God does amazing works all around us. He is working in our lives. Everything happens for a reason, not just as a bumper sticker phrase, but for God's will and God's purpose, everything happens. And God is in the business of bringing glory to himself. In my life, uh, as I was growing up, I could not have known that throughout my life uh, just, you know, by nature. I, there are so many things that I probably just chalked up to luck or chance or whatever. But as I look back now, coming to know God, being in relationship with God and reading his word, I can see so many ways that the Lord was working in my life, bringing me to the point of faith bringing me to the point of being saved and born again by his grace on that day, June 2006. God was at work in my life so that I would come to the point of believing the gospel. And it's critical that we answer that, that question, what is the gospel? Because you might be wondering that. I haven't explained it thus far, but I came to know it over those seven months of going to that church and having those conversations and asking those questions. It starts with, of course, understanding that we are sinful and that we are separated from God, not just in our being because we are finite beings and he's infinite. We're also separated from God morally because we are sinful beings. We are beings who love ourselves and we love to rob God of the glory that only he deserves. We are sinful. And we're separated from God because of our own sin. Yet, God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Grace and truth were totally magnified and on full display in the person of Jesus. And he lived a perfect life that we could never live. Perfectly serving God and performing the will of God 
to absolute perfection. And yet, he was killed. He died a sinner's death. He was nailed to a cross, and there was public mockery, though he absolutely did not deserve it. He died in our place for our sin. The death and the punishment we deserved, he took on himself to show mercy toward us. He rose again three days later, proving that he is who he said he was. He is Lord of all the earth. He is the one true God, Jesus Christ. And we are made right with him if we believe in the gospel. We are made right with God once for all if we believe in the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. We are made right with God once for all if we understand that there is forgiveness in no other name but Jesus. We are made right with God once for all if we truly believe and rest upon what Jesus has done and not in our own efforts. If we're not including our own merits, but we say to God, Accept me on the merits of Jesus Christ, then we are made innocent, and God counts us as righteous forever. And we have union with God. Once, once we're made right with Him, we have this new relationship with Him, we're reconciled with Him, and we can not just walk through this life, but we can go through all eternity with perfect unity with God because of Jesus. And when I believed for the first time, there was a grand peace that I experienced that the world could never give. There was a majestic and, and a wonderful, too wonderful for words, joy that came into my life through Jesus. And since that time, life hasn't been perfect. I'm not here to say, you know, hey, uh, it's been, you know, just heavenly bliss every moment of every day since then. I'm not here to say that. But I am here to say, that I have God. I called out to God, and I got God. He gave me himself in the gospel, and I've not walked one day of this life without him, and I never will. And I'm so, so thankful that I've been reconciled to my creator because of what Jesus has done. That's my testimony, and that's the offer of salvation that is extended to you, I'm just a messenger, and I'm pointing you to the one who can make you whole, the one who can make you holy, Jesus Christ. Would you believe today? Would this be the day of your salvation? My day was June 22nd, 2006. Perhaps yours would be here in August of 2022. Well, if you haven't believed, I hope today would be the day you would do that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me today. I hope that... uh, you really consider these things seriously and that you have uh, blessed conversations with Christians that God has put in your life. And until next time, God bless.